You are listening to the Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Good morning, welcome to the Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Today's my esteemed ple- pleasure to have on. He's a country music and a songwriting legend. Mr. Ken Blazy, how are you today? Anytime I'm talking to you, I'm good. Hey, buddy, how are you, man? Thank you for coming on. Well, it's always great to be on with you guys, you know, and uh, got a beautiful day here in Nashville, so it's a good thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, congratulations, by the way, on the new album for the birds, dude. I'm listening to this, my friend, and, and, you know, this is country. This is pop. This is rock. You got everything in this. Well, you know, I I really don't know what country is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this was just kind of a... I'm going to do what I, I, I want to do from the being inspired by the 60s and the 70s and now. And um, I just love the way it turned out. I got to turn up an electric guitar and play it. And that's always fun for me. And uh, just say some different things that you couldn't say on country radio these days. Well, you know, it, it, it brought me back. It's funny because, you know, you and I are somewhere close to the same age, 35. <laughs> exactly. 36. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I, I lied a little. Um, but, you know, it, it brought me back to that uh, time, but with a freshness to it, you know, and it's funny because... I joke all the time, and I and I know you being a uh, you know a legendary songwriter that you know you hear on TV and you'll hear something you'll hear a commercial or whatever, and they're using a, a sixty year old song that everybody says oh, that sounds like a brand new song, and you know you hear the Temptations on something and you go wow, you know, and and it brought me back to a great feel, but at the same time it brought me forward with something fresh, brand new and fresh. So you know that's why I was going through it, and you know, and I really like it. It was it was well, well done. What was your inspiration? Uh, you know, <laughs> the funniest inspiration I think was COVID, and um, we spoke during COVID. <laughs> yeah, I've been writing with this guy uh, Steve Allen, who um, yeah, he was on that uh, album before that. And uh, hold on one second, somebody's ringing my doorbell. <laughs> uh, so uh, what happened was during COVID, Steve lives about five minutes from me. Right. And Steve was in this big pop band, 2020, that was going to re-release and go out on tour again in the year 2020. And then uh, COVID happened. So he was stuck at home. So we started writing together where he would sit outside and I would sit inside. And then we got where we would both be in masks. And then where we got where we would be six feet apart. But... We both kind of grew up on the same kind of music. You know, he's an amazing guitar player. I call him my brother from another mother because we're in any band I've ever been in. We're about the closest to uh, both having the same styles and tastes and all that. And uh, so we just started writing whatever we wanted to write. And I love the 12 string. I wanted to get that on some things. I wanted to write a song about the birds because I try to put... uh, honoring of somebody in every record that i do yes sir uh so that was kind of that one and then actually crossing the rubicon was written because of john lewis passing away our senator and i started seeing what he had done for the uh civil rights movement you know and there's a very touching story about that bridge and uh he almost died and uh, so I wanted to honor him, too, by writing a song about him and just what we're all going through these days about everything changing all the time. Yes, sir. I love that. You know, and, and that's really I'll tell you what, you know, I went through it. And I'm going and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, you know, this is, you know, anybody who knows a little bit about you can tell 
as soon as they catch a couple things or something of yours, say, man, that it's kind of got your touch on it. It's kind of got a Kent Blazy touch on it, you know. And but you you spread out all over the place on this. I mean, you know, kind of got blue, you know, blue green ocean eyes. You know, Mr. Snake Oil. I gotta have, find out something about that and all that love. And I'm like, man, you know, you kind of really touched a lot of different areas. So you know, I had talked about before about the creativity of being at home. Well, obviously, man, you made the most of it. Well, and the other cool thing is, you know, Steve and I both lost our wives to brain tumors. Yeah, and sorry uh, we've, we've actually both found incredible women uh, that we're married to now. So a lot of these were kind of a, a thank you to them for coming in, like all that love and blue-green ocean eyes. They both like to go to the beach. And so we had that inspiration of starting over again, which is always a, a good thing. Yes, sir. And uh and with Steve, you know, I can just tell him the most outrageous title or say, you know, how about something that feels like this? He's like, hey, okay, let's go. And, uh, you know, not trying to fit in any, well, you know, nobody, who's going to play this or who's going to sing this or, you know, uh, it frees you up from the restrictions of what's possible. And that's a good thing. Man, let me let me t let me tell you something. Anybody who wouldn't grab it, just try to jump onto one of your songs would have to be crazy. Um, you know, you you're kind of like lightning in a bottle, recreating itself. Um, but uh, uh, tell me about a little bit about Mr. Snake Oil. Well, um, you know, a lot of people think it's about uh, a certain president, uh -huh. but it was more from a lot of people that I've met and Steve's met in the music business. Right. You know. Um, it's just kind of unbelievable the characters that you come across that uh, <laughs> you think they're doing. And you know that the story's as old as time. All the the black artists that got signed in the fifties and never saw any money, but they got a Cadillac every once in a while. Right, and, yes, sir. You know, so it's all those things of of these people these days that are making it seem like uh, what's reality, and reality is for them whatever makes them the most profit on anything. Right. Right. Now, let me ask you a question on that. Now, now you mentioned that. So when you first had your first hit of success, mm -hmm. you know, what did it feel like when you caught your song on the radio? You know, I, I think you have to say it's probably one of the most exciting things you'll ever come across in your life, you know, to realize, hey, this is something I wrote and it's on the radio. Even when I was back in Lexington, Kentucky, they had a... Uh, radio station that would hold a song contest and so a couple of mine got demoed and they got played on the radio and stuff and even locally that was just so cool but you know it have something that's people are hearing all across the country and it's kind of a hit it's uh it's just beyond words it's like all the time that i've spent putting into this and and creating and all that and here's uh some reward from it because a lot of times you write 600 songs and maybe six of them get recorded. So right. uh, it's always a nice treat when somebody takes one of your songs and, and decides they're going to record it. Yes, sir. I, I, I definitely understand that. Now, when you were growing up, who were inspirations in your songwriting? Well, you know, the main one, I will have to say, for so many people, um, and a song I had on a few records ago was uh, Bob Dylan. Yes, sir. And I came to that in a roundabout way because uh, the biggest inspiration for me was when I heard the birds, uh, per the bird song and the Rickenbacker 12-string. It wasn't the Beatles like so many other people that made me want to do this. It was the sound of that Rickenbacker 12-string. And so I bought their record 
and um, I kept seeing this guy's name, B. Dillon, B. Dillon, and I thought, who's this B. Dillon guy? <laughs> so I did what any 11 or 12-year-old would do. I joined the Columbia Record Club and ordered 12 <laughs> records, and my parents about disowned me. But uh, Mine too, I brother. Think, Mine too. There you go. So I think three of the records that I got were uh, Bob Dylan bringing it all back home, Highway 61 revisited, and I can't think of what the other one was, but I got those, and it just—they fried my brain. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is this? And uh, so I just really got into him and and all the songs that he's had covered by other people. And um, I really think, even if people don't know Bob Dylan's been an inspiration to him, Bob Dylan's been an inspiration. He's truly the Stephen Foster of our generation, and. Uh, God blessing me still out there at 80 create music and have a number one record. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, all those people in the sixties, um, early seventies were such an influence on me because nobody was telling them what to do. They right. did who they were and there wasn't any, uh, record label or manager going, well, you have to sound more like, you know, so-and-so. And, right. Um, you know, I was, I was doing another interview the other day and the guy was, told me, you know, I, I had to make a dis decision between buying Sergeant Pepper or Are You Experienced? And I thought, <laughs> hey, can you say that these days? You know? And <laughs> right. it just put it all in perspective. You know, here are two iconic records that were out at the same time. And then you look at all the other stuff that was being done. So everywhere I I turned, there was a different inspiration, a different sound, and I, I was aiming to bring most of that into this record because it was all such a big influence on me. And they're doing what they want to do, and they're creating their own thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely, without a doubt. Now, you being you know this legendary songwriter, when you look at somebody like Bob Dylan, you know, and you also being an amazing recording artist, but do you look at him more as being a songwriter or more as being the singer? Bob Dylan will trick you. <laughs> you know, uh, people say, ah, oh, Dylan can't sing. Then you try to learn one of his songs, like even Lay Lady Lay or something like that. Right. That seems so easy. And um, you go, dang, that's kind of difficult to do and, and pull it off like he pulls it off. But he's very underrated as a singer. You know, he's got his own style, but right. he also has so many different styles. He he's everything from you know I read his biography and it's all about how the Broadway plays influenced him and you know the music from the twenties and the thirties and a very knowledgeable guy. Really, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, one of the biggest things is when he first moved to New York City, he really got into all the Broadway music and going to plays and it really shaped. A different way of writing songs because he could see the whole story that the play was doing and he thought if I can turn that into songs where it's got this whole story that would be something different and um, so yeah that was pretty eye-opening to me to see what had influenced him so greatly in New York City yeah that that's pretty incredible now I got to get the book so so thanks buddy for telling me that one now I got to get the book <laughs> it's an interesting read I think it's called Chronicles Oh, man, I definitely have to get that now. Now, you know, you have a bit of soul in your voice, and it stands out certain spots and whatnot. Um, influences, uh, you know, growing up that were really soulful singers 
obviously besides Bob, I mean, you know, were you a big Motown guy? Um, you know, what was your... Yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, in, in Lexington, Kentucky, you know, we didn't get at them till like 1990 or something. You know? <laughs> um, I did. But, it. <laughs> you know, on, on AM radio, you could hear the Four Tops and you could hear Roger Miller and Tammy Wynette and the Beatles. And, yes, sir. You know, you could hear so many different things. And I think all those styles really influenced me. And, um, you know, I never for a long time considered myself a singer, even though I'd always made my living playing and singing and then when i moved to nashville what happened was i would take my demos around and people would go well, i like that song but who the hell's singing that <laughs> oh, damn. And so i got where i wouldn't sing for a long time and uh but uh, that's because there's so many great singers in nashville and that's why you get demo singers but uh i'm kind of finding my voice again you know and um, Damn, you ain't got to take a backseat to nobody. See me, but you ain't got to take a backseat to nobody. You, you, you are one hell of a singer, man. I'll, I, you know, and that's not just because I'm a fan or anything else. Or you're on the show. I enjoy your singing. So I mean, you know, anybody who second guess that, whatever, move on. Well, thank you. That means a lot, you know. And I really feel like I did stretch out more on this record from what I've done before, as far as a singer. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, we cut eleven songs in one day with the oh vocals God. and everything, you know. And uh, so I had to kind of temper myself, but, well, am I going to throw my voice out at the very beginning <laughs> or am I going to do the mild stuff first? But we went with the throw my voice out at the beginning and the heck with it. And uh, <laughs> so as the record went along, it kind of calmed down a little bit. But uh, I, I thought it was a smart idea to just sing the ones that were really going to take a lot of effort right off the bat. And uh, I got such a great band that it was they just made it easy to do. Well, you, you kind of like go all over the place in a good way. You know, when you buy a, uh, what was what was one of your first records you bought that just thought was like a complete record, you know, that you said, man, you know, and then I want to fast forward that question to the most recent maybe album or whatever else you picked up, I'm, I'm, I'm old album, whatever, that you downloaded, whatever happened, you got it, you know, said, yeah, man, that's pretty cool too. So when you, you were a youngster and you picked up an album and said, yeah, man, you know, you've been listening to music for a little bit, this is the deal for me. What was it? You know, I'll tell you the record that it really was. I mean, the Beatles were a big part of that because they could just keep reinventing themselves from right. song to song. But there was a Buffalo Springfield Again record. Ooh. It was really the first record where they were all playing together. But the, the, every song is so different from the t song before it. But they're all so sonically amazing and uh so diverse yet so beautiful and um i just thought wow look what these guys can do they can pretty much do about anything right. and uh i think that was the biggest one for me was just all these three creative four creative guys in that band that could come up with all these different things on one record nice i like that that's that's really cool i mean there's certain there's certain records and you know and albums you albums you listen to and you go wow there's ones that just stand out in my mind to listen to it depending of course my mood so that's why i just wondered you know you as being an entertainer now more fast forward it and you know you're an adult you're you're a well-known you know artist and, and and songwriter what was something in more modern day that you said holy smokes you know now that you you know something more i don't mean you didn't know anything then but you know obviously we're older we know more or we think anyway so what was something that really touched you in modern time? well you know what i'm saying i'm, I'm sorry yeah. i didn't mean you know well you know the one guy and and i haven't studied him or whatever but i just really love him 
and of course everybody does, is Tom Petty, just because he kept reinventing himself and reinventing himself, but also I always kid if if Bob Dylan and Roger McGuinn had a kid, it'd be Tom Petty. <laughs> and so I think that's one reason I liked him, because he took the sound of Roger McGuinn and Bob Dylan and kind of put them together and, and turned into Tom Petty. Um, so he's one of them that I keep turning to. Uh, Rodney Crowell uh, had a huge influence on me as far as a writer and an artist. And, um, you know, his first record was kind of all over the place, too. And it had four number one singles on it, and none of them were number one for him. But it showed the quality of his songwriting and his ability to pick songs that that happened. Right. Um, and then in these days, Jason Isbell, I think, is has got the bar up pretty high for uh, amazing songwriting and amazing, you know, Dave Cobb is such a phenomenal producer and the sounds they get. Um, I'm just really proud that they're making this music in Nashville, Tennessee. Love that part. Now, as, as a youngster, favorite concert you went to as a kid, you said, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there were a couple, and uh, this was kind of without my parents knowing I had snuck the car out, but um, one that I remember in particular was uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, in Cincinnati, oh. and, uh, you know, I was I was like a little 16-year-old kid, and I <laughs> snuck the car out and went up there, and they didn't have any hippies in in Lexington, Kentucky. But boy, they had a lot of hippies there at that concert. And uh, it was like walking into the Star Wars bar scene or something. You know, I was like, wow, this is a whole different world. And of course, then Hendrix comes out. And about that time, you know, you could walk right up to the stage and stuff. It's not like it, it is now. Right. And so I just went up there and I watched this crazy man and, uh, and thought, wow. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm here seeing this because there's nothing else like it. And so that was that was a big one. The other one was, and you'll probably laugh at this, I was probably even younger. I went to hear uh, Blue Cheer in this little club. And Blue Cheer was a the first heavy metal band. And they, their one big hit was Summertime Blues, the old Eddie Cochran song. Oh, but, okay, okay. But, yeah, they used, you know, they were in this little room about like i don't know douglas corner or something and they had walls of marshals and you know the drummer had like 57 drums and they were just they were just heavy metal you know and uh didn't know it yet didn't know it yet (laughs) so yeah check that out sometime the blue cheer summertime blues it's uh and they they were so loud of a band they had to record in san francisco on the pier because they were too loud for a recording studio Oh, man. Now, now, that's a story for you, buddy. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. You know, um, it, it's funny going through, you know, this new new album and, you know, For the Birds, I look at it and I sit there and I think, you know, man, it, as many great songs as you've penned and you sit down and your creativity and you just kind of keep reaching in and you were talking about reinventing yourself i kind of feel like you you're doing that all over again and i want to compliment you because you know i think it's a great uh inspiration to sit there and say people don't listen to people when they sit there and say man you can't sing i kind of laughed and i didn't mean a disrespectful way when you said you know who's singing that great song and i didn't mean a disrespectful that you know me can i, I, oh, I understand like yeah but 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 uh, you know it's like are you, are you crazy you know but 
you know, don't listen to people like that because I really feel that, you know, you come back because it can weigh on you and people need to watch what they say to somebody or how they say it sometimes. But I, I, I feel that you've put a lot of great vocals out here on this and I'm hearing things that I haven't heard on some of your albums. I mean, and I, I mean that with respect. Well, that's what I was aiming for is just, you know, the guy who masters all my records. When I took this one in, he said, this is really different for you. <laughs> and I said, that's what I was aiming for, you know, and uh, so I, I took that as a compliment. I didn't know if it was, but uh, I just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the boundary. And uh, part of it is I just love playing electric guitar, and and that's what I tried to get all over this record is uh, is that sound that inspired me to start playing to begin with. You know, that that's come to that now. How do you feel comfort wise? In an acoustical guitar to acoustic guitar compared to an electric guitar, what's Kent Blaze you more comfortable with? And do you reach out because I mean you're so accomplished in the guitar it's ridiculous. But you know I one day I want to grow up to be a quarter of the guitarist you are. But you know but um, what is what is more comfortable for you? I am really an electric guitar player. I mean I kind of always have been. And um, when you move to Nashville, you know if you're writing songs or whatever everybody has an acoustic guitar and um so i kind of gave up playing electric for a little bit and um then i just recently got back into uh after my wife died i just kept getting uh i meditate every day and this little voice kind of like bill it and they will come kept saying start a band start a band i'm like i'm not gonna start a band and i just kept hearing that every day and so i started a band and started playing electric guitar again and uh, to me it just has so much more uh variance of what you can do with it with pedals and amps and different guitar strings and different guitars and acoustic to me i mean there's so many great guys that make it sound like so many different things but i'm just basically a, a strummer i think on acoustic guitar there's way more better acoustic guitar players uh, you say so. I, I respect your opinion, but you're pretty, you're pretty good there yourself. Well, I appreciate it. Um, you know, when you're in Nashville, you might think you're pretty good to you go out and hear somebody in a club, and then it's like, all right, I'm throwing my guitar away. <laughs> yeah, my oldest son said that to me one day. I said, I played this deal, and he says, Dad, man, he said, you know, you listen to these albums out there, and then all of a sudden you get downtown and you say, Holy smokes! Where did this kid come from, or where did this guy come from? You know, yeah, and exactly. uh, it is pretty, it is pretty amazing. Now, with you putting this out there, now is there going to be some music videos coming with any of these? Probably not. I don't know. That's a good point that I haven't considered yet, but um, possibly. All right. I just wondered. I'm just, you know me. I'm going to ask you, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I like, I like your ideas. So you know. Um, I know we're doing a show at the listening room on the 15th uh, with the band, and I don't know, maybe I get somebody to film a couple things for that. Yeah, or, believe me, if I was back in town, I'm not in Nashville now. I'm up in Pennsylvania, but uh, Deer decided to hit my car on the way. Uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, thank God we okay. But you know, the car, yeah, ten grand down. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was I was thinking, man, Mr. Snake Oil One would be a great video of if you made a video video of it, like old school video of it, you know, like and uh, I think Living the American Dream, which I haven't even touched on yet, man. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I I have a uh, a stepdaughter and a stepson uh, from the two marriages, and uh, especially the the daughter 
I saw what she was going through. She just graduated college a few years ago, and her boyfriend and uh, all their friends, you know, they have college degrees. Her boyfriend's from Rhode Island School of Music. He's a great uh, guitar uh, drummer, and uh, his friends are great guitar players and stuff, and nobody could get arrested, you know, and they are all working at restaurants as hostesses or waiters. And, right. Uh, and uh, Cindy's daughter was living in this little area where... Basically, there was gunshots going off all the time in her neighborhood and a lot of crime, but it was all she could afford, you know. And so I was just kind of watching what they were doing and the life they were living. And then I read an article that said that that generation probably won't have it as good as our generation did. And I thought, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that about America, you know. So that all ended up being in that song. Gotcha, man. That's, and you know, it's funny. It's, it's funny. There is so many great artists out there that couldn't get arrested if they tried. I mean, you know, it, it just is. It's crazy, and uh, you know, and I and I wish there was more things spread around. It's kind of funny. I say this, and you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't care. If somebody thinks I sound like the old crotchety old man. You know, in in one way that you know, there were so many record things out there, so many ways to do things, but in another way, there's so many ways to promote yourself now. You know, I think you can get out there and everybody can have a nice piece of the pie. Well, you know, there is that. It's like the only problem is the pie is a mini pie these days. <laughs> uh, thanks to Spotify and all that stuff. You know, um, once mechanicals disappeared off records, uh, the amount of money that people could make diminished, you know, like 80% or whatever. So that's why so many people, even big artists like Steel Dan and the Doobie Brothers and all those people are back out on tour again. It's like, the mechanicals ran out and right. uh so that's that's the big thing that we're up against these days you have the freedom to do what you want to do and get it out there and you never know like I, i'm doing a thing with a young girl next week who's blew up on tiktok you know and uh and she everywhere she goes she sells out because she's big on tiktok so who would have dreamed that 10 years ago no nah, brother and, uh, <laughs> uh, not me you know so uh you know, you just kind of, like you said, keep reinventing yourself and, and seeing what other ways there are to get out there and, and get people to hear you. And we've got wonderful people like you that do amazing interviews and let people know what's going on. And, uh, you know, all that's appreciated. Thank you, my friend. I pre- I appreciate that. You're you're very appreciated. And you are always very, you and I got to get together for a drink. We just haven't had a chance to chance to get hooked up. We're either out of town, in the town or whatever. But I still owe you that scotch, brother. <laughs> All right. You but, got it. But I mean, um, do a little word association here, my friend, and, 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 and see how it works with. Um, but first, I wanted to ask you, what was the first car you bought when you got a little bit of money in your pocket? Wow. Um. <laughs> that's a good question how much little money in your pocket uh, <laughs> well, you, know, well you, the, know, you can give a couple stories if you want. <laughs> well the, you know the joke is every songwriter who, who's had a hit they have a, a songwriter car right you know, so um when headed for a heartache went to number five in uh 1981 or 82 whenever it was uh i had like a 1972 Oldsmobile. It was a band car, you know, where everybody could fit in there. And uh, so uh, I ended up buying a Toyota Cressida. And uh, 
just you know to have a good car to ride around in because we were going back and forth to kentucky and right. just needed something that would get you there and that car was an amazing car and i kept it for eight or ten years i think and it never burned out a light bulb so nice. uh, that that was my my first car that was really a car nice that that's that's cool man hey and it was efficient and you got good gas mileage <laughs> yeah it was a great car and then they quit making them and i you know it's like okay it's a great car quit making it sounds like the record business sometimes <laughs> that was good let's never do it again <laughs> yeah right you're not kidding brother all right so we'll go name association here the king of rock and roll elvis presley ha uh, say that one more time elvis presley Name association. Oh, Colonel Parker. <laughs> um, have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie. I've heard some people that have gone to see it, and they were telling me, before you do, go to YouTube and see the 10 things that they say never really happened and the 10 things they say really did happen. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I'm a huge fan of The King, and... If you stop staring at the guy's makeup and you watch the movie, you're engulfed. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Wow. And they didn't have the original guys in the band behind him or anything, did they? Or like uh, James Burton or anything like that? Um, I don't I don't know the background. All I know is that, that Austin Butler did the vocals of a young Elvis. Right. And okay. they blended it. And, and, you know, and you understand this even better than I do. And they blended him into some of the older stuff. But when you're watching Elvis like do Suspicious Minds and they blended in, and all of a sudden, you, you know, like Vegas Suspicious Minds in a white jumpsuit, you, right. lo you lose who's who watching it. Wow. I, I, my friend, if there's a movie I tell you to go see, you know, go watch it. It is, it is when, when it opens up and you see the gold things of it in the beginning, I said, if the movie's half this good, wow. I mean, my oldest son is a huge movie critic and a big Elvis fan. has seen it four times, and the first two times we got, you know, we got press things to see it. And the last three he paid for it himself. So if that tells you anything. Yeah, that says a whole lot right there. Now, but were you uh, an Elvis fan growing up? You know, I, I was, but Elvis... You know, when you look at it, he had such a short time period where he was big. And, uh, you know, I knew him more for what everybody said he did in the 50s, you know. Right. And um, all those great records that influenced rock and roll as it is today. And um, so it's just really interesting about the time I was getting into music. He was doing his films and stuff, you right. know, where... Everybody was just kind of making fun of him. But, you know, the other day I was watching a, uh, a video of Scotty Moore. He was on a, uh, oh, I guess a, a Memphis channel talking about Elvis back a while back. And it was just phenomenal hearing me talk about Elvis was 18-year-old truck driver, you know. <laughs> and, um, and then they showed a clip of some of the first things that he did. And it's just so far beyond what anybody else was doing at that time. Uh, you know, his moves and uh, the sexualness of it and uh, the joy of it. And it was just uh, an amazing thing to be able to witness. Yes, sir. And so if I could find the, uh, I could find that clip, it was something, somebody out of Memphis, Tennessee that was like a, you know, a David Cabot or something like that. Yes, and just uh, had a little clip of Elvis playing with Scotty Moore, and you just go, wow, okay. That explains <laughs> it. 
Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, 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 and if you and if you find if you have to come across it, text it over to me, buddy. I'd, I'd love to watch it. Um, you got it. You know. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm going to throw one in there that I didn't have in there because I'm going to ask you to pick uh, the Beatles. Well, the cool thing is I just got to go to Liverpool about two weeks ago. And I'd never been, and it was just so exciting to be there and see the statue that they have and, and go to all the places like Penny Lane and uh, Strawberry Fields and go to the houses where they lived. And, um, you know, the Beatles and Elvis opened the door for the Beatles. And the Beatles were such um, Elvis fans and Rockabilly fans yes, that... Um, you know, they really borrowed heavily from that. And a lot of their sets they did when they were doing their 12-hour sets were all from uh, the, the 1950s rockabilly stuff, Elvis and, and uh, Buddy Holly and all those guys. And so they just were carrying it on the torch, and, the, and Elvis opened a door on how big somebody could be to, uh, to become a superstar. And um, so I think it went from Elvis to the Beatles. Yes, sir. I, I agree. You have a favorite Beatle? Oh, that's like saying, "Who's your favorite kid?" You know. <laughs> um, I don't know. They they all. You know, my favorite Beatle, I guess now is Paul McCartney because he's such a uh, inspiration for him still being out there and yes, sir. and uh, still making music. And it was amazing to hear what he does every year when he goes back to Liverpool and puts on concerts and and things like that. He really pays respect to where he came from, and it was awesome to be able to hear everything that he's doing. Yeah, you imagine just being sitting in a pub in Liverpool and Sir Paul McCartney walks in and says, hey, man, can I pull up the piano for a minute? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, brother, okay. Um, okay, next word association, Glenn Campbell. Wow. Um, there's so many word associations with him. What a phenomenal underrated guitar player he was a beach boy uh wichita lineman uh things like that are just you know he's such a diverse career but such a an inspiring guy and in everything that he could do and um we don't have that these days it seems like to me yes sir i, I was thinking when you were talking about bob dylan and try to sing a song uh try to jump in and sing gentle on my mind sometimes it seems really easy but yeah not really <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> you know but it is i'll throw a youngster out there for you um somebody near and dear to you ali colleen god bless ali <laughs> you know um she's never played up uh, anything about garth um i've watched her from the very beginning she's got that tenacity that he had she's got that work ethic that he has and uh i'm just so proud of what she's doing and how she's just chipping away in a field that uh, there's a whole lot of big trees, and she's just out there knocking them down. I like that. I like that a lot, and I I, I agree a hundred percent. I'm gonna throw a left um, one to you just a little bit, and I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna say to you um, today, who would who would uh, Kent Blazy sit there and say is yeah man? Somebody that stands out to him that you would sit there and say that comes to your mind as a young talent today. Oh man. Um, you know, I went and heard somebody last night that I really loved. Her name's Kimberly Kelly, and she has a new record coming out on, I think it's Show Dog and, what is it, 20 Tigers or something like that. 
And um, she's taken it back to what country music was for a female. And just great songs, um, nothing like any other females doing on the radio these days. Uh, she's from Texas, which might hurt her. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> Oh, that hurt me. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's like in Nashville, if you're from Texas, uh, they've kind of opened up more to it. But yeah, it used to yeah, be, true, yeah. if you're from Texas, go away. And the same when you go to Austin, it's like, if you're in Nashville, we don't want to talk to you. Right, you know, right, it's, right, right. Yes, I agree. It's yeah, a weird yeah. kind of thing. But she was just so good, and her songs were so... Um, Tammy Wynette-ish as far as wow. a, a great song about divorce and marriage. And, uh, you know, there were two or three other things. I'm just going, wow, what, what is this? But it was beautiful Texas three-part harmonies like Sons of the Pioneers on a Ooh. couple things. And, yeah, just really, really cool. And uh, That's awesome. So, so, so uh, Kimberly Kelly, I'm going to check her out. Yeah, I think her record comes out this next week. Well, I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Last two, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. There's nobody else in the whole world like Garth Brooks. <laughs> and, um, you know, he he's always 20 steps ahead of everybody else. It's just amazing to witness. I mean, even when you're writing with him sometimes, it's that way. It's like, I don't even know where he is right now, but he's so far ahead of me that I better catch up. And, uh, you know, I went to see him uh, when he was in Nashville last month. He played for at least two and a half, three hours. He's 60 years old. He sounded as good as he ever sounded. And um, you just go, wow, what an inspiration he is. Damn. Yeah, that's for sure. God bless him, Mom. Is it hard to... Uh... You know, play, I mean, obviously you didn't, you weren't playing every night, but were you playing every day to keep your fingers and everything else intact? You know, so you, you know kept the calluses up and everything else being off like you were. You know, I really wasn't very good at that. <laughs> Sorry, brother, um, I didn't mean to put you in this spot, buddy. <laughs> no, and so you know what I've started doing uh, recently is just grabbing a guitar and playing scales every day, just to get my fingers back working again. Um, you know, because I have been really just hitting it every day um, between doing shows and, and writing with people. And, and when COVID hit, you know, I just started doing different things around the house, catching up with things that kind of you let slide or whatever. And so I can feel my shoulders aren't used to strumming that much. You know, the electric guitar still feels good, but the acoustic guitar is like, huh, this, this is a lot harder to play than it was <laughs> two years ago. So um, I'm working on it. Last name, Kent Blazy. Um, Kent Blazy, I would like to see him just keep reinventing himself and uh, creating more and more songs and getting out there and meeting people in touring. You know, I love what I do, and I love this life, and I feel so blessed. And that's why uh, Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan and Garth Brooks, all these people are such inspirations on, on what they're doing. And that's, that's what I'm aiming for. I love that, my friend. Where can everybody find you on social media and buy that brand new awesome album for the birds? Thank you. Where can everybody buy that at? Where, where can we find you on social uh, media, buddy? I, th I think I'm everywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you have to be these days. If you want a hard copy, I think you have to go to maybe CD Baby, and or you could uh, send me something at my website, 
otherwise, it's I think Amazon has some hard copies, and they have the downloading. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, all those places. You know, you just got to get it out everywhere these days. And that's KenBlazy.com, right? Yes. I just wanted to make sure, buddy. Make sure it hadn't changed in a little bit. So I wanted to make sure. You know, it is my my friend. It's thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I really appreciate you. And, you know, congratulations on another fantastic album. I mean, For the Birds, I think is something that you can reach out to everything, not being just a country music fan. This is all kinds of music here in this. And I love the sound. And I think you and your boys did a great job. Well, thank you so much. I always love talking with you. I love how you love music and uh, what you're doing for people like me. And uh, just let's talk again. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Lifebox Media Channel, Kent Blazy, go check out For the Birds. It's out now.